A reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priest serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his accounts all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to become, the Almighty. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am delighted this morning to introduce you to one of my favorite preachers, uh, who is Whitney Hare. Whitney's been serving with us as a pastoral resident over the course of the last year. We'll actually continue through a program at the Candler School of Theology to serve with us through the summer into next year. Whitney has an interest in issues of inclusion, um, and I know that you're going to be blessed by her message this morning. Whitney, would you come? Will you all join me in prayer? Loving and gracious God, the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come, may your spirit fill these words and this space so that through my words, or even in spite of my words, your spirit may speak to every heart and every life gathered. In the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Revelation. Now, I can imagine some of the thoughts going on in this room right now of here comes a young seminarian who's going to preach the Sunday after Easter on Revelation. What's wrong with her? (laughs) Truthfully, I'll be the first to admit that I usually don't follow the most um, carved out path. And most of my friends and even some of the staff here at the church laughed at me for choosing this text out of the lectionary. But I have to say that there is so much beauty and so much truth in these four short verses. Especially for where we're at in the Christian calendar. Last Sunday we gathered together and we celebrated Easter, the most holy day in the church. We remembered the resurrection of Christ and we celebrated with full accord, ranging from brunch out on the lawn 
to just hymns of celebration and alleluias. And then we got to the week where many of our Easter dinners transitioned into probably sandwiches as we headed out the door to soccer practice or to another meeting at night. And all of that was lost. The reality of our daily lives and the toil hit us. Yet here we are, gathered on what we call the second Sunday of Easter, as we remember the resurrection, as we continue to celebrate the impact it has on our lives here and now. And yet, some of us, myself included, realize that we live in this tension where the truth of the resurrection has power and we believe it. But we also realize that our daily lives don't always look like Easter Sunday morning. In our text this morning, John the Apostle is writing to a church during a time of severe persecution in Rome. The writer's actually sitting on an island, exiled. And he's, this book is written to a community facing persecution as John is trying to give them words on how to live out their faith in the midst of difficult times. John reminds churches and he reminds us of the victorious nature of Christ. And for the church, these titles found in these verses would mean so much to them. Because after living under the daily threat of imprisonment or exile or even martyrdom, they needed hope to cling to. They needed real, authentic hope. And within these verses, we see a plethora of who Christ is. Declarations about the person and the works of Jesus Christ. First, it lists that Christ is the faithful witness of the ever-pursuing, radical, unconditional love of the triune God, serving as a witness in this world that God will do anything to reconcile humanity back to God's self. Christ remained faithful to his mission to the point of death, even a humiliating death on a cross, And more than just the cross, Christ became the firstborn of the dead, conquering death and grave and sin. And by being the firstborn of the dead, Christ won the final victory over death, where we will be able to follow in his footsteps, and we will experience the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, just as we confess through the Apostles' Creed. Furthermore, Christ is the ultimate ruler of the kings of this earth. So no matter what declarations were to come from Rome, no matter what persecutions were declared by Caesar, Christ sits supremely in power over rulers and principalities of this world. And because Christ reigns supreme over not just this world, but over the entire cosmos, His majesty and rulership will not be hidden forever. While believers catch glimpses of Jesus' identity now, there will come a day where every tribe and every nation on earth, above the earth, and under the earth will realize and see Jesus for who Jesus is. Even those who pierce Jesus' very side 
For all will come to know of the majesty and glory and power of Christ. And not only in this passage are we reminded of Jesus' identity, but we are also see the truth of the, who God is because it declares that the Lord God is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. No matter what happens in this life, we know that it is God who created us and it is God who will have the final say over our lives. For we can fully trust in the security and the sovereignty of the one who is and the one who was, the one who is to come. And while we trust in the truth of Jesus' identity and in the sovereignty of the triune God, we still live in this cognitive dissonance in the tensions between living out the truth that comes from knowing the resurrection and living in our broken present reality. I'm a firm believer in the resurrection. I truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came and took on human flesh, who died and who rose from the dead and will come again. But I also realize that the world we live in is broken. Our daily reality is not that of the resurrection always. Just looking at the news, communities in San Diego are grieving and mourning over another synagogue shooting during one of the holy celebrations. Christians in Sri Lanka are still grieving and recovering from the devastation last Sunday. And I know many of us in here bring our own struggles with us. And if you do not have a personal battle you are up against, I can guarantee that right now you are thinking of a family member, a friend, a coworker, maybe even a stranger you met that you know is walking through difficult battles. While we are believers, we are not immune to suffering, to tragedy, to injustice, to facing unjust systems that dominate the institutions of this world. So how can we live daily as Easter people in the midst of uncertainties such as illness, bigotry, addiction, injustice, tragic loss? What does it look like for us to authentically live out our faith in a fallen world without abandoning the task at hand for just some promise of a getting up morning? If faith is more than a ticket into eternity with God, then how can we live out our faith with conviction as to eternity begins in the present? The good news, my friends, is that God has already made a way. We can rest fully on the victory of Christ. For through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus provided total, complete victory over sin and death. We are no longer bound by the chains of hopelessness, for we are a people with a real hope. And this isn't just a hope of what we wish for, 
But this is a confident expectation, trusting that God keeps God's word. We have a real hope, a hope that will not fade. We have the hope that suffering and evil will not win. We have the hope that we can embrace the world here and now rather than just waiting until we die to really start living. We have the hope that God is at work through the church to begin to usher in the kingdom of God in this present reality. This hope changes not only our outlook on the future, but it changes the way we view the present and the way we view the past. For now, we are no longer hindered by the things that we have done or by who we used to be. For in Christ, we have been freed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. Our past no longer binds us, and the unknown future no longer has to terrify us. We can walk in this present moment with full confidence knowing that the one who sits on the throne in sovereignty and power loves us and has made a way for us. For Christ has made us a kingdom of priests serving God here in the world right now. While we have the hope and the promise of participating alongside Christ in the resurrection of our earthly bodies, and in joining with the divine nature of the triune God, we also realize that eternity begins here and now. We don't have to wait. Instead, we can live now as our lives are transformed in this world by the work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. For we are new creations, charged to live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God. For we labor in love, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the hope of Christ as we strive to live as Easter people, faithfully testifying to the indescribable grace and love we have experienced from our indescribable God. May it be so in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.